Hey, welcome to Choices, a place where we talk about the choices people make and why they make them. This episode in particular is very different, very unique, and pretty short compared to the other ones that you've seen and that you've heard and that you will hear in the future. I went to a symposium, actually presented at a symposium with my friend and colleague, Ty Cosmo. Um, it was the Don K. Wilson Teaching, Learning, and Researching Symposium. And we had a vivid discussion about art and what it takes to make it and make it properly. I hope you enjoy. If my mind was a chain, it'd be shining. If I had my gifts on my wrist, they'd be diamonds. If I had my soul on my feet, it'd be retro. Every time I hop on a beat, they'd let us go low. If my mind was a chain, it'd be shining. If I had my gifts on my wrist, they'd be diamonds. If I had my soul on my feet, it'd be retro. Every time I hop on a beat, they'd let us go loco. So now that we've heard about the last piece of art that's impacted everyone, I want to hear, Ty, what, what's the last piece of art that's impacted you? Hmm, maybe On the Combine. On the Combine? What, on the, wait, what is that? It's a song by High Valley, it's country. It's country? C country, like, like on, like from the country. Yeah, you have a problem with that? I, you know, I, it's not that I don't have. It's not that I have a problem with it. It's it sounds just like you have a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, how do you relate to country? That's what I'm. How do you even relate to country? I mean, look where we're at. Look how we're recording this podcast. It's not very country. I mean, you know. I relate to country. I grew up on the farm. That is true. You did grow up on a farm, North Dakota, right, Ty? Uh, yeah, but why are you so defensive of the song? I mean, you're calling me defensive. I mean, come on, it's just a great song. Like, this, uh, okay. this song, I, the band came, before they were even big, they came to my small town of 960 people. What's the band? High Valley. High Valley, okay, okay, <laughs> High Valley. They're, they're big in Canada. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. They, they, they came on two different tours, and one time to our high school before a tornado destroyed it, Been another time, like, right after the tornado, came to uh, our came to a local church and they said, hey guys, we've got this new song. We want, uh, want to see what you think of it. And uh, so they played us on the combine and I thought it was really cool because I grew up like riding in the combine with my dad. Wow. And this was like, this was the song that made them big, but this was before everyone else thought it was cool. I wow, everyone else, you know, <laughs> everyone else in Canada. <laughs> hey, Canada's a country too. It is a country. It is very, I guess it's very country. You know, it's a country that's very country on not, the not, combine. Not all of Canada. Not all of Canada. <laughs> you know, it's almost, the way you defend the song, it's almost as though it's your song. It's almost as though their song is your song, you know? You could probably say that. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, is that's what we're trying to get at today. That's why I asked everyone what the last piece of art was that impacted them. Because we're going to talk about art, right? The author, the reader, and the text. It's an acronym. And what it stands for is this balance. And what I noticed in your response, you were defensive because... You, but you've only been the reader. The author, the reader, and the text, they were the authors who wrote that song. 
you've only been the reader, and for some reason, you feel as though the text that they made is your text. And I think that only occurred, or I know that only occurred because of your constant listening to the text. Being the reader for so much, for so, I mean, being the reader for so long has almost turned you into something that is, that resembles the author. Hmm. It's almost as though you're, 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 you are the artistic offspring of the author through the text. Hmm. Y'all both relate. So, like, what, what can be a text? Could the Mona Lisa be a text? Could the latest Bond movie be a yeah, text? Yeah, those, every piece of art can be a text. When, with the Mona Lisa, the painter was the author. The Mona Lisa is the text. And whoever comes to come see it is the reader. They come through and they read Mona Lisa's face. With a movie, right? The director, the writer who made 007, they are the author. And the movie is the text. And everyone who goes to go buy a movie ticket, everyone who sits in that movie theater is the reader. We call them spectators. We call them moviegoers. But for the sake of this acronym, the author, the reader, and the text, it applies to everything. Even with, mm. with advertisements, poems, um, songs, clothing, the way people dress. Mm. They are the author. They put it together. Their clothing is the text. And when people see them, they are the reader. They read mm. them. And, and some, sometimes you are affected by the things people wear. It, it, it shows in everything. Hmm. Okay, so you've got the author, the reader, the text. Um, and the, the text would be the most important one, though, right? I mean, it's, we're talking about art. The text is the art. I can see why you would say the text is the most important. I mean, it makes sense, right? The, text, the author and the reader are the only parts of the art that actually can fade away. They can actually disappear because, I mean, the author, we all know authors who have died. We all know we have we all have favorite authors who have passed away. They are no longer here with us. You know, for me, it's, uh, a favorite author of mine is Toni Morrison. She just God rest her soul. She died like two years ago, but her text is still with us today. Beloved is still with us. We can still read it, and we can still, in a way, hear her voice. But Beloved can still speak to us. The text will, by the grace of God, live forever. The text is immortal. So I can see why one would say the text is the most important, but a good way to understand why there's a why balance is needed is um, a quote that I came up with a few weeks ago, like about two months ago. It's called a true triumvirate, and it goes: the author is nothing without the reader, the reader is nothing without the text. The text is a ghost until it's written, and dead until it's read. Hmm. So, what do you mean by the text being a ghost and dead? The text is a ghost. What that means is, before the author puts the words on the page he did have the words or he did have the idea the story existed already and it was in his mind you know if you ask any good author any good artist where the idea came from they will usually say i'm not sure it just came to me it just came to me where does the idea come from and that's why the text is a ghost because it's almost as though it appears sometimes you wake up in the morning with an idea when did it arrive did it arrive while you were sleeping? Which point when you, what, what point in when you were sleeping did it show up? All you know is, is that it's there and that it's begging to be written. And so what the author does is that they put it on the page and they do their best to put it on the page. But when they put it on the page, it's not alive because it was a ghost. What does it require? It requires the reader hmm. to breathe life into it so that it can then speak. Texts can never speak unless they have a reader speaking for them. Hmm. Okay, so, so, if you don't, so if you don't have a reader, 
That make then is the reader the most important? Uh, it I mean, could, and I can see why one would say the reader is the most important because, yes, for instance, the text is dead until it is read. As in, this book that I have right here, uh, if I toss this book across the room, right, it would it would possibly like. If I toss this book right here, this book that I'm holding, if I toss this book across this room and no one came to pick it up for uh, about 500 years, let's say no one came to pick up this book for 500 years and it just sat there and no one bothered it, it grew dusty, it would be the equivalent of a carcass. It is there, you can recognize it, it has a form, but it cannot speak. But if perchance, by the grace of God, Someone cracks that book open, dusts it off, and starts to read the words. They will immediately breathe life into that book, and it will say the same exact thing that it would have said 500 years ago. It mm. delivers the same message, almost as though it's always been speaking, but it needed someone to speak. Mm. The reader, yes, the reader is required for mm. the text to even, to, even, to even have a voice. So I can see why one would say the reader is the most important. Okay. But and you know every artist does say that like they're nothing without their fans. At least the great ones do. The great ones. Any good artist will say they are nothing without their fans. And they understand that because their fans are the reader. They literally wouldn't be able to exist to the full degree. Their art wouldn't be truly what it is without their fans. And so every good artist will say I am nothing without their fans. But Keeping in mind a true triumvirate, the author is nothing without the reader, the reader is nothing without the text. What are these fans fans of? I guess you'd say they're fans of the author and the text. So wouldn't the author be the most important then? Because the author is the one who makes the text. Like Without the author, you don't have anything else. That, that also makes sense. Without the author, there is no text in the first place. But... I got to ask you, I mean, we say that the author makes the text, but does he? Does he what? Does he make the text or does he translate the text? Hold on. Authors, that's what we call a translator. No, no. Remember, the author's nothing without the reader. The reader's nothing without the text. The text is a ghost until it's written and dead until it's read. When the text appears to the author as this ghost, it is its own entity in a sense. Any good writer, the best writers know that no matter how well they write, they cannot get the exact image of what's in their mind onto the page. There is a translation. Things are lost along the way. The better an author is at translating the idea, the better their art is, usually. So what the text is, is the result of an author trying to get the ghost into the physical realm. And so they are not necessarily a creator as much as they are a translator working with their text to bring something to the surface. I have an example of the text, a text that I made. I've been working on a, a novel for over five years now. And a text that I made, when I finished the first chapter, um, I had a plane crash that, and the plane crashed into the ocean. I didn't think of it as a symbol at all. But when I had my friend read it, when he read it, he saw the symbolism of the plane crashing symbolizing a journey to Atlantis. And I didn't see that. I just wrote it. I just wrote it. But a reader read it and told me something new about my own text. 
And you can see other examples of this in our lives today. Statistically, at this very moment, someone's performing Romeo and Juliet. And since Shakespeare's time, we've been analyzing his work. He died long ago, and yet to this day, students, scholars, teachers, we are discovering new things in his text. It's been speaking for this long. And so, yes, one could say the author made the text, but the text does so much on its own that you can almost address the text as its own entity. Hmm. And so that's why you're saying that the author, the reader, and the text are all in a balance, all equally important? Or? They are all equally important. You have to keep in mind that it is a true triumvirate. These all have to be balanced. The author is nothing without the reader. The reader is nothing without the text. The text is a ghost until it's written and dead until it's read. Hmm. Yeah. So how, how, do I, how would I make this relevant to my students? The way to make this relevant to your students is the reason why it will easily become relevant to them is because these are things that they already know. Every student knows that revising their work, reviewing their work will help their work become what it's meant to be. But when they apply the a true triumvirate, when they think the author is nothing without the reader, they develop a new sense of this. They, it gets a new value because they know that they will be doing their work a disservice if they don't become the reader. If you don't take the time to be the reader and you become obsessed with being the author, your work will always be lopsided. There will always be mistakes and you know you need revision. It tracks in everything. It tracks in everything in life. You can even even a perfect being, even God in the Bible, you see him creating. And every, after every time he creates, he reviews a perfect being. After every time he creates, he becomes the reader. He looks at it. He's not creating now. Hmm. He becomes a spectator. He looks at it and he says that it is good. He hmm. has to review his work. And so. Students will then understand the audacity it takes to believe you don't need to review your work when you're an imperfect being. Not only do you need to review, you also need to revise. Hmm. I mean, God doesn't need to revise because he's perfect, but he's still reviewed. We need to revise. And students know this, but with the, with the true triumvirate, they will come to a new understanding of why it's important, why revision and why review is important. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, God, God's perfect. He still reviews. Because we're not God, we need to revise, and we do that by being the reader. Exactly. Yes, we do that by being the reader. Yeah, they, I mean, there, there, are, there are a lot of things. There's also, I mean, so there's revision, right? And there's review. And what this does is it creates a communion with the text. We develop a communion with the text. And this communion can be shared with the teacher as well. The students can show the teacher their work before the teacher is a grader. Just turn your teacher into a reader. When your teacher becomes your reader and they analyze your work and they don't have this job they have to do, they are just concerned about the art, the form, the uniformity, how beautiful it is. And they give the student advice and then the student takes that advice, adheres to it and brings it again. When the teacher's finally grading the work, it's almost as though they are listening to a song they helped write. Hmm. or they are looking at a painting they helped paint. There will be this inherent bias that will lead them to grade more positively. And this isn't necessarily a trick, or this isn't, this has always been there. We all teachers know, we have teachers, the teachers here know that 
if a student shows care, compassion, and, and effort in their work, you will have a bias towards them. Mm. But what the, a true triumvirate does is it exemplifies this idea. It makes it, it, it encapsulates it perfectly for a student to understand why the, the author is nothing without the reader, and the reader is nothing without the text. Hmm. Okay, so, so, yeah, so what you're saying is I should tell my students the author is nothing without the reader, the reader is nothing without the text, the text is a ghost until it's written, and dead until it's read. Exactly, Ty. If my mind was a chain, it'd be shining. If I had my gifts on my wrist, they'd be diamonds. If I had my soul on my feet, it'd be retro. Every time I hop on a beat, then I let's go low. If my mind was a chain, it'd be shining. If I had my gifts on my wrist, they'd be diamonds. If I had my soul on my feet, it'd be retro. Every time I hop on a beat, then I let's go loco.